This is the listener request month, but we have a small request for you, and that is if you are an Android user, you should check out the Podcast Republic app. It's free, it has thousands of great reviews, and all you have to do is download it to see for yourself. So check it out, it's available on the Google Play Store, the Podcast Republic app. You favorite your favorite podcasts, they download right to your device, and you're listening in seconds. The Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. On Saturday, July 20th, we are returning to Tattooed Mom as part of the Philly Podcast Festival. It's our fourth year, I believe, at that particular podcast that festival. We're very excited to be uh, asked to be back and excited to return to Tattooed Mom, which is always a really good time. We are going to be discussing the fabulous film Flashdance. Regular listeners of this show might remember that, hey, didn't you guys do a live episode about the movie Flashdance last year at the Baltimore Podcast Festival? And you would be correct. We did. Here's the thing. The only people who heard that episode were the ones in the room. (laughs) Uh, So we liked it and wanted to talk about it and see if we could get that conversation recorded and figured a year later would probably mean we wouldn't repeat too many of our own jokes. Although, frankly... I doubt that I remember them I at this genuinely, point. I don't even remember where my notes are. Oh, wait. They might be in this notebook. Uh, Two seconds. We will be at Tattooed Mom at 3.30 p.m. on July 20th, part of a packed day of shows that starts at 12.30 p.m. there. goes till 7.30 p.m. My notes are still in here. Um, the same notebook. Oh, good. Good. Uh, so we will be doing Flashdance. Uh, if you were at the Baltimore show, this one will probably be different. If you weren't at the Baltimore show, which is almost every other, everyone listening to this, assuredly, uh, we will be doing Flashdance. So come hear us talk about one of the crazy dance movies of our favorite decade, of course, the 1980s. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the mega podcasting powers. And with me, as always, is a man who I think is pretty smart, but... Probably not invent a laser when you're age 15 smart. The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Leno. And that's correct. See, I thought you were going to go with the man who also suffers from late 20s feelings of uselessness because they were told they were gifted as a middle school student. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Like feeling like, maybe. I peaked in middle school. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure I feel like I not peaked. peaked, but like you get that feel like I feel like I did so much as like a child with with you know my brain, and now I'm like this, I do this. I don't know, you know, the more I think about stuff, like think about that era, it's like mostly they were just like giving us an outlet for creativity that didn't really exist anywhere else. It's like I was bad at art, so I that didn't work for me, like you, you did that. Like, you know, when you were younger, yeah, like drawing, around. painting and all that stuff, I can, I don't have that talent or di- don't have, didn't have the desire to nurture that talent. Uh, certainly if, if there ever was any, so I feel like it was just an excuse to be creative and think about stuff in a weird way, which I feel like helps me now. And I got, I'm always coming up with weird Kinda, ideas yeah. for projects. Although and I stuff. programmed a robot arm in fourth grade and made stained glass. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, we're talking about the 1985, I believe, uh, Val Kilmer comedy, Real Genius. This is the pick of Tom uh, as part of our Patreon supporter portion of the Listener Request Month. Uh, listener Request Month! Uh, we are really super grateful to both Tom and Michelle for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, let's hear what 
Tom had to say. Hey, Trip and Andrew, this is Tom from Patreon, and I'm calling to let you know why I selected Real Genius. First, let me say I'm thrilled that neither of you guys have seen this movie. I'm, I'm excited that you're going into it with no preconceptions, and also I'm jealous. I, I really wish that I could watch this again for the first time. Simply, it's my favorite movie about college. It ignored most tropes of smart kids in college life. It shows smart people being creative and not just antisocial. You know, it really paints the characters well. I think it shows each character having their own personality that really just isn't stereotypical. And I think a great message of the movie, I think, is it emphasizes the need to have balance in your life and not just be a workaholic or, you know, or a single tract. The, the movie itself, I think, you know, aside from a couple of small subplots, which I'm sure you'll notice, there really isn't any narrative waste to the film. It's, I think, also, I think it's like low key. It's one of the most quotable films of the 80s. I, I hope you guys agree with me. But I think, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of really well written dialogue and a whole bunch of throwaway lines that are just hilarious. It's very high quality. I think it's not exploitive. I think, you know, a lot of times in the in 80s films, I think when you look at them through a modern lens, uh, like the social shift between then and now is really overwhelming and, and, and a lot of times troubling. Uh, I think this film treats female characters really decently. It doesn't show like out of whack power dynamics, like say a movie like Revenge of the Nerds, for example. Which, but mostly, you know, it's just it's 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 a good time. I think you know, like the pranks and the retaliations that they they do in the film that drive a lot of a lot of the plot along. They're, they're fun. They're not mean spirited, and the performances are just amazing. I mean, Kilmer just freaking owns this film, and it really makes me sad that he didn't do more comedy over his career. I mean, he just he's incredibly good at this. But also, William Atherton has to be in the conversation for the greatest 80s villain actor. I mean, Die Hard, Ghostbusters, this film in particular, I mean, he doesn't disappoint. Thank you guys for this show. I appreciate the opportunity to give you guys some support. And I think you guys are both hilarious. And being a Gen X guy, I think it's fascinating for me to get a breakdown of the films that I love, you know, growing up through the eyes of the next generation. Um, you know, to see, uh, you know, what your perspective brings to this. It's been, it's been a lot of fun, and please keep it up, and I'm happy to keep supporting you. So uh, thank you. Um, hopefully I'll talk to you again. Bye. So you know what we watched. It's real genius, and you know what that means. we got to go back. we got to go dissect the 80s. It's your laser. Something's got to be done about your laser. Um, so I had I didn't even watch a trailer for this. I, I figured either. I was going to go in just like stone cold. Um, and the whole time, based on the poster, which uh, this movie is streaming for free on Crackle, if you're in the if you would like to watch it, um, his hair's all zapped out and his eyes look kind of weird to me. So I thought this was going to be like a science magic movie the whole time, and I kept waiting for there to be like science magic, like um, like uh, oh god, what's the one weird science? Yes, yes, yes. I was waiting for like someone to get magic powers or something like that. that see i also thought real genius was the name of like a two weeks in a row a disney channel movie about like okay i feel like you watched it like it was around the time when you were watching them it was about a kid who like they put like something on on like hockey players skates so that they were all flying wasn't that flubber no 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 it was not flubber it's i think it starred I think the love interest was the love interest from the 13th year slash also Bioshock Infinite. You got I, I don't know what you're... No, sorry. <laughs> I was, was like, Bioshock Infinite is a computer game. Is yeah, it no, not? It, a, a video, video game. game. But the, the 
the actress who plays the female protagonist in Bioshock Infinite also played the love interest in the 13th year. But is that one of those like Last of Us deals where they just basically made Ellen Page? Like, is that what the actress looks no, like? No, it's not. It's just her voice. They use okay, her yeah, facial no, stuff for like uh, acting reference, but it doesn't look like her. I see. I see. No, I'm not familiar with what you're talking about. Although I'm sure somebody listening is like screaming at the phone like, you idiots. Yeah. So we get a, an opening credits montage of weapons patents set yes. to a song called You Took Advantage of Me, which just makes me feel weird. Yeah, I didn't care for that tune. The, t- the tunes in this movie are generally pretty good. I did not care I for agree. that one, though. Then we go to space. Pretty cool shot of a spaceship. Uh, very 80s style effects with like sort of a floating toy on a string sort of deal. But I find that very charming, as you're all aware. Uh, and he blasts this chair from space. With this laser technology. And this dude just explodes. Yeah, just basically like uh, the Unsolved Mysteries episode about spontaneous human combustion. So it's framed as though it's a like beer commercial or video game commercial. It's Uh like, when life gets you down, you just crank up your laser beam. (laughs) Laser beams, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're not wrong. It is pretty much exactly that. But it's a commercial to pitch to the government to like let's use this laser to kill dictators so i don't know who created this commercial what do they think the target demo was i think it was exactly what you said like trying to pitch the government on how to kill foreign dictators but why would you use that format like that's not this i think because it looks cool as like, hell I don't, <laughs> I don't mean to be that work asshole but like this could have been an email Okay, well, it's 1985. I don't think it could have been. It an could email. have been a memo. I think it would have had to. Okay, but like, let me let me ask you a question. I got two ways to sell you my super mega death laser. One, a memo. Two, this awesome ad where we blast a dude into smithereens from space. Which one's more well, likely the, to buy sell you a thing, laser? Is that the laser is supposed to be a secret? But when you make a commercial, there is the guy, the guy piloting the ship in the commercial. The guy who gets blown up, the guy next to the guy who gets blown up, the guy who films all the segments, the guy who edits the segments, the guy who directed the thing. Like, you have at least 10 people who now know about your Yes, but none of those people know it's real. I guess. You just tell them you're filming a sizzle reel for a a movie that you're trying to get funding for, and you got to show it to the investors in, in, you know, whatever, Europe, France, I don't know, somewhere. You're like, oh, they don't, they can't read the script and get it. We got to show them something. We got to give them some heat. We got to show them something from the picture. I mean, Argo is a real story, right? Like, but I'm saying like they, like this, this seems people get stars in their eyes really easily on topics like this. I feel like this is a very obvious way to like, oh, it's going to be for a movie. And people are like, really? How can I help? What can I do? Oh, okay. Like I, I, when I lived in Frederick, they were filming a movie in town uh, that starred Wee Man from Jackass. Um, I'm aware that that exists. The, the the little person on the show, uh, I think his first name's actually Jason. But anyway, they filmed this like Christmas, like family comedy Christmas. It was right before. Honestly, it was like right before the Christmas movie Hallmark explosion, mm-hmm. which probably would have helped them. Although this one's a little like more wacky kids movie than those tend to be, but. It's essentially just like this terrible Christmas movie, and he's like, I think an elf. I don't know. I don't remember the details. But they were filming this in Frederick, and everybody was losing their mind of like, oh, my God, they're making a movie here. And I was like, guys, it's Wee Man. Like, it's not, it's it's not, not Scorsese. It's like, I, 
Right. Like I loved Jackass. I watched a lot of it. I still use that as the way to explain where I'm from to people because most oh, of those guys were from I Westchester. I, for, I knew Johnny Knoxville was. No, not him. No, he was not. He, the Bam, Bam Margera. I knew Bam Margera yeah. was, but I didn't yeah. know who a lot of them were. Yeah, Bam Margera's crew was like largely the people on the show. So I, I have many times been like, did you ever see Jackass? And people were like, uh, yeah. And then I'm like, well, I lived where most of those, where Bam and those guys filmed all those stunts. Remember the time they broke the glass at the hockey rink? That's where I learned to ice skate. That's, that's sort oh, of that my... Oh, that was Ice Line? Yeah. I know that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, why am I talking about that? Oh, because people get stars in their eyes about movies. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. So that's how they would have... God, thank you. Um, that's what would have been important there is like, you just tell people, Oh, we're like making this little sizzle reel. It's not, it's a, it's a movie where it's, we're capitalizing on that star Wars heat. This isn't the, you know, the space lasers or whatever. Oh, uh, speaking of star Wars last week, we talked about the star fight video game. It's a real video game. That's what it was called. It, yeah. Yeah. I looked it up too. And the font is even more star Wars ripoffy in the real one. Um, so they do their beer commercial for the laser and, they're like, so it's almost Heathersy, and it's like the way these men are joking about like, well, we could definitely kill like, I don't know, I'm today, like, I'll use today, like we could kill Putin from, you know, from the toilet. Like it's weird flippancy. Yeah. It is. It actually really strongly reminds me of Dr. Strangelove, which is a movie I okay. really, really love. Um, even the lighting, they have these guys lit like perfect villain like, lighting. W- or I was... <laughs> Uh, never mind. I was going to have a different reference point, so no. Well, go ahead. No, it's. I was going to say, this looks like the fucking uh, Act 2 opener of Rent, Seasons of Love. Oh, whatever. He's got the candle you know, lights. Everyone's got the single spotlight oh. over their head, so it's just all oh, shadow. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it, it, honestly, it, it's almost the effect of, like, if each of these guys was holding a flashlight under their like, chin. at an arm's length mm-hmm. away. Yeah, but, like, not right under the chin, like, arm's length, but the same yeah. angle. Um, but it's it's great. Like it, it really is is excellent, um, and very reminiscent of the the big war room scenes from Doctor Strangelove. Uh, one guy is like, I don't want to be involved in this, and they definitely kill him. Oh, I'm I'm certain that that dude gets exit. I was honestly surprised that like they didn't shut the door. He didn't like exit the room. Then you hear a gunshot noise. So he defects and he stands up and he goes to the door and he opens it and you see. Because it's a pitch black room and he opens and you see the rectangle of light of the outside and he's sort of in silhouette in there. And I was like, someone's yeah, going to yeah. pull him like, oh, that would have been. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Freddy Krueger like, hand on the shoulder pulled out of frame. That's that's the end of that. That would have been very cool. That's not what happens, but that would have been cool. Uh, so we get cut to William Atherton, the infamous jerk reporter from Die Hard and Die Hard 2, who is a great bad guy. Uh, I didn't know I knew him from stuff. Um, I yeah, he's the one who gets punched out by Holly Gennaro McLean at the end of the first yeah. one, and then is inexplicably on the plane with her in the sequel. Well, it's like a prequel movie. You meet everyone important in your life at eight, in high school. Yes, exactly. Yes. Also, we will never be able to do it on the show because I think pretty sure it's in 1990. But it is so silly when you live in the Maryland D.C. Virginia area. The plot of Die Hard Two is how they can't like land the plane. There are three airports within like 55 air miles of each other in this oh, area. Really? There's two in D.C. and one in Baltimore. Yes. They're like, we can't land the plane. I'm like, there is another airport four miles the west. Just go west. Just like the village people said. Yeah. 
this, like, celebrity scientist, Dr. Hathaway, who apparently was in the villain room. I yeah. didn't realize. He was, like, like, in the... Halfway oh, through the okay. stupid movie. Um, he's sort of like if... Um, if uh, the Mythbusters guys had the, like, name recognition of Bill Nye. Sure. A Neil deGrasse Tyson before we all found out he was a bad person. Yes, exactly. Um, he's at this, like, high school science fair. It's high school, right? Yeah, kid's Over- 15. Um, and he's like, well, I wanted to come in person and tell you you got the genius grant or whatever. Come to my school because you're smart. Like, whatever. It we need to move the plot along. Come to my school. Yeah, and I, I honestly think there's some really kind of clever stuff they do here. They establish the kind of bad relationship the kid has with his parents, which makes him like longing to fit. And the fact that he doesn't really have friends, he's longing to fit in. And then we get a casual mention of Val Kilmer's character's name, and now he was like the youngest, smartest person ever. So that like when we cut from this scene ending of like you've got the scholarship, you're coming to school, yay! Cut. Val Kilmer's there. We learn his name. It's like, oh, this is that super genius guy. It's just like really good writing. Like, like uh, just very deftly connected scenes. Tells you a lot with minimal dialogue. And the whole and the movie's very well performed. I will say that. I, other than a few instances, I really like Val Kilmer's character because I think he's charming enough to pull a lot of it off. Obviously, it's got that like '80s obligatory kind of sexual predatoriness peppered throughout. And, yeah. like, you forget about it, and then it happens, and you're like, ew. And then it goes away, and then comes back. It's it's extremely Ferris Bueller energy. But I feel like Ferris Bueller wasn't, like, as grossly overtly sexual to people who didn't necessarily say they wanted it. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you that. I don't, I don't think I would want a real-life person to say to somebody, oh, it's all brain. I'm not all brains and no penis. That, that, was, I, that quote is hilarious. But that is also, like, a very funny line. Like, I agree that's not an appropriate thing to say to no, somebody. See, all brains, but... no penis wasn't even what I was referring to. There was something later where he was, like, talking about someone's boobs, a, a girl's boobs growing. I was yeah. like, dude, dude, this isn't Project X. Which, like, <laughs> is a line I would expect from Project X, which I haven't seen because we talked about this before. It gives me anxiety to think about. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think it's the same problem that I ran into with Overboard in that, like, I just like it. Like, I like him That's and why it I said, I like, because I, I like him. I think Kilmer's super talented and charming, and I think his characterization is spot on for this, like, roguish he's like the han solo of academia yeah <laughs> that's a very good line that should be on the box yeah. um <laughs> that's very good and like i really enjoy that because he, he he's clearly the most brilliant person in the room but also like clearly doesn't give a shit about anything no he does not care at all um so i was like i i like him a lot but there's definitely elements where i I was like we could have edited if you took if you edited like 15 minutes out of this movie a it's shorter which makes me happier and b i think a lot of character stuff is more tight yeah i mean pretty much everything we watch on the show you could take 10 minutes out of i feel that way about almost every movie i watch period but yeah i'm with you and I, i keep thinking like it's 
I think I, I guess the way you would do the line about because the specific thing you're referring to is like they have a pool party and there's a woman in a bikini and he's like, oh, don't eat that. It'll make your breasts huge. And he looks down and he goes like, oh, my God, I'm too late. And it's like the intent is just to be a cheesy pickup line. So I think you could like have that line without the if you t- said it wasn't didn't say it about breasts, but instead of like, oh, you know, if, if you eat that, you'll be you'll, you know knockout gorgeous or something like that like it's supposed to be cheesy yeah. and stupid it's just also sexual i, I think, think is that, where that, yeah issue is. i don't mind a stupid pickup line that doesn't make a that isn't like gross towards the person you know what i mean yeah i get what you're saying like the, the character that receives this compliment isn't bothered by it but also it's a movie and it was written that way yeah. so i get what and you're it saying. was the 80s no one was thinking like that no no i was just like oh that's what men sound like gross uh, Val Kilmer's also real sexy in this movie. Yeah, no, he's got a real good energy to him. Um, the hair is great. It, honestly, he's so good in this movie. It's baffling to me that they cast him as Iceman in Top Gun. Just like what, two years later, three oh, years later. Right. It's crazy town that he like he would have been like the ideal person to play Maverick. Yeah, but I with feel this like persona, this was in the beginning of his like network branch out of like let me be the only person who can run on film yeah i just like in hindsight being 2020 and all val kilmer is the way cooler dude of those of course, two he, he went on to play batman although right. not in a good one not a very good one but that wasn't his fault that's a hundred percent joel schumacher's fault right also you know there's only like two good batman movies so which two do you think hot take? i think 89 is good the original yeah it's like it gets extra credit because it's the first one to be like serious and pick, not Superman. I would pick Batman Returns of the original four. Oh, maybe I haven't seen it in a long time, so maybe that one's I watched better. It but yeah, my my gut, my gut instinct is Batman '89 and uh, Dark Knight. So the two Jokers. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, I was Dark Knight is a, I was Dark Knight and Batman Returns would be my two favorites because if you look too closely at Dark Knight Rises. Nothing makes sense in that movie. Yeah, I think that movie secretly stinks. That movie is secretly terrible if you look too closely at it. I don't think you even need to look too closely. I just think it's not very good. It's like kind of confusing and drawn out and like there's like five cool scenes in it and that's all you remember so people remember it fondly. But I think that movie yeah, is like and I enjoy it in Hathaway's Catwoman. And it's not important. Um, Val Kilmer's sexy. Real quick here. Yes, real quick here. We go to this party where the kid is being introduced to like uh, the, the campus people. A unnecessary party. Um, this is what I mean by like, yes. I was like, this scene served no purpose. However, did you recognize the woman who greets no. him? It's Mac's mom from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh my God. Wow. The chain smoker yeah. with the real short haircut. Yeah. So he's on campus and it's like this welcome to campus shindig. And then he sneaks out of there very quickly because he's a smart kid, both uh, in terms of textbooks and street oh, smarts because he knows how I to bail on a party. he just was like trying to find somewhere. And like having no, a I think party he, and like was like I need the de- the dean's tea or whatever, and then he had to get to his dorm, and I was like, but why did we need this tea scene? Nothing was established. No, I, I mean you're absolutely right. We should just skip to the dorm, but I I read it as he was like, well, this sucks. I'm getting out of here. That's fair. Gotta take some of that free cheese though, free cheese plates. Yeah, no, yeah, you, you stuff your pockets full of Colby Jack, and then you get the heck out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh. It's a Colby and Golby, maybe? Colby and Goby? I don't know. Goby? I don't know. I was trying something. I I don't... Like, go? Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) 
you know, the kind of joke that you have to explain is always my favorite. Anywhere else. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Exactly. Anyway, he meets Val Kilmer, who is in the room uh, and has announced that he is now sharing this room with this kid because he like likes his energy and he wants to be there. Uh, and he starts just like assembling this gadget made out of loose parts. It's a real Ghostbusters technology situation. Yeah. He also like put away the kids' clothes for him. Yeah, that was kind of a weird energy too. But there's a there's a real homemade tech vibe in a lot of this movie, which I really enjoy. Very Ghostbusters, Back to the Future. Hang on, I wrote. What did I write a reference to? Um, it, it's very uh, Ghostbusters. It's very Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It's very Gremlins. Later, there's a full-on shot that I'm pretty sure Casper stole from, where he's... Oh, yes, for sure. This is just that scene from Casper. Casper just stole this from this movie. Absolutely. Um, And I meant to mention it in our last episode, because Michael J. Fox was in that movie, but talking about the homemade technology, I just watched on Netflix... See you yesterday, which is a really interesting time travel movie. It's it's very much a movie about our current police climate and race relations between uh, black folks and the police, and it's like a very interesting story told in that lens with time travel. But uh, Michael J. Fox, yeah, like the kid invents time travel and then is trying to use it to go back in time and fix something awful that happens. which isn't really a spoiler. It's in the trailer, but the teacher in the movie of the two kids, the science teacher is Michael J. Fox. And it's definitely like he was there for like one day, but it's like, just so good to see him on screen. (laughs) No, no. He's like a high school teacher. Who's over it. It's very good. It's like a very solid performance. And, uh, yeah, he's definitely was not there for very long. It's just like, you know, two scenes, but uh, it's his part of the movie is really, really fun. The rest of the movie is not like a fun. Mo- it's a good movie, but it's, it's not, not fun. a fun movie given the thing. But I didn't know he was in it. And so uh, I was watching it. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so nice. It's so good to see him. Yeah. But it's just like so good to see you, old friend. You know, that's the exact reaction I had of like, I know you're not like, you know, you're not well. And I know this is tough for you and everything. But like, man, it's good to see you. Didn't he get out of a DeLorean? Like a few Oscars ago? Yes. It wasn't the Oscars. It was actually no, it was uh, Jimmy Kimmel. No, it was on Jimmy Kimmel. No, it, no, it definitely was the Oscars too. Because they did a thing where like people, it was like actors with the actors who inspired them to become actors. Oh, I don't have any memory of that. Yeah. But I also haven't watched the Oscars in like a decade. I know. So. I didn't watch this year. Um, But a few years ago they did. It was like younger actors, like actors younger than 30 paired with the actors who inspired them to become actors. So it, I think it was like Seth Rogen and Michael J. Fox and Seth Rogen. There's like a 20 second segment of, of Seth Rogen, just fangirling over uh, Michael J. Fox and mm. back to the future. I thought you were talking about the time that he and Christopher Lloyd drove a DeLorean on stage of Kimmel. No, I didn't know that happened. It was pretty cool. Anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. So Kilmer's flying this gadget all around the room. It's Clearly like a just drone string. Yes, it's even on a string to the point of like it has a literal circular path that they swing it around yeah. the room two times. Uh, but it's fun and and it gives you a good sense of kind of Kilmer's energy and this kid's energy and how they're going to pair off each other, which you I did. I realized Val Kilmer never like wakes up in bed with a woman, which is kind of shocking. In yeah. this movie, you mean, or in life? Okay, Val Kilmer's. Never I was like, I don't know how you know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how you know this piece of information about Val Kilmer, but I'm very, I see just like a slip out in the middle of the night guy, even at yeah. this age, it seems like a lot more trouble than it's worth. Uh, 
No, but like this character feels like at one point he should have like woken the kid should have woken up to like Val Kilmer and like some chick sleeping in bed or like some yeah. kind, like with all the game he he seem they seem to give him he never scores that we see. That's what I mean. Like how the, it's weird that the movie felt like didn't feel the need to show that. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe it's like. He's like cool older brother, and that's too close to Lecherous Town. Maybe that's fair. So uh, this mysterious government guy is really pushing William Atherton to get this thing done. He moves up the deadline on him, and Atherton is like, "No one could do that." So I'm building and a house like, already with the money you gave me for some reason. E- yes, in the middle of nowhere, it seems it's like it's very much like the construction in Poltergeist, where it's just like a single house in the middle of nothing, and they're like, eventually this will be a neighborhood. I was going to say the terrible Scream Three, where Sydney Prescott just lives. On a mountain oh, yeah. by herself. Yeah, 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 yes, yes. The difference here, though, is like it's almost like Centralia, but they stuck, there's like one yeah. house left. Cause there's like roadways and such, and it's like an open plan for a neighborhood, but it's the only house yeah, in it. He's the, he's the starter model, <laughs> the, the model home, as yeah. it were. Um, obviously, all the college kids hate that a 15 year old is coming in. Uh, cause I actually don't think it's everybody. It's just really this one dude, I Nate. Kent. Kent, I mean, sorry, they didn't yes. give the other two people any personality, so it's hard to tell. Yeah, they're really only this one scene, but those dudes seem to rag on Kent quite a bit. So I got the impression that Kent, like, nobody likes Kent, and so Kent has to find another person to punch down to. A little bit. But, like, the kid, so the kid is 100% me the first day of a job where I'm like, I'm uncomfortable, I don't know what to ask for, but I'm, I have to be here right now. Because he walks in the room, and he's like, so, um, he said I should look at your, um copies of, of your of data so I can check it and they're like check it for what and he's like oh mistake like clearly a uncomfortable saying it yeah and they're instantly also Kent instantly they hate him also Kent has some real Ed Bigley Jr. energy I was also gonna say um Ed from Evil Dead 2 mm, yeah I'll give you that one um uh Kilmer ices down this hallway I with like magical love ice these shenanigans in the dorm room. Yes, it's so fun. It's it feels sort of like what I would love out of an X-Men movie. Like <laughs> Iceman yeah, like, the, like it does it and then uh, like, hey, Cyclops melts it back. I, hey guys, we're going to have a you know, a ski party and then whoosh and then yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. um uh Storm is like making it rain or whatever like I, like i want like fun show yeah me. the first thing you're gonna do when you realize you have powers is have fun with them so show me fun right yeah absolutely absolutely make superhero movies fun again yeah. please <laughs> no they have to be dark and serious for adult men um they're also like talking about this ice and the the one guy takes credit for inventing it and he's like Kent is like, how are you going to clean this up? It's going to be a mess. And he's like, actually, as soon as it's done, it's just going to turn straight to gas. It doesn't become liquid first. And he's like, what? That can't be true. And then later it starts doing it. And they are all like, oh, uh, it might blow up. So and Kent goes like scrambling down the I used to know the, the word for that. When things went directly from solid to gas and didn't go through the liquid stage, it was like super something. I don't know the I answer. I don't know a lot about science. So... I know a handful of science words. <laughs> And that was always one that stuck out. And now now that I'm on the spot, I cannot remember. Kilmer, just this scene is like really a big piece for Val Kilmer. Like you can tell how much fun he's having 
and it makes the movie that much he's better. Like it's so infectious. Yeah, it's so infectious how much he's enjoying playing this character and being this zany guy. It's very much the same effect that when you you feel how much Michael Keaton enjoyed being Beetlejuice. And so it just, like, makes you enjoy it. Yeah, no, it's just, like, you feed off their energy and it gives you, like, as an audience member, the energy of the movie is that much better. Uh, there's also a weird dude living in their closet. Uh, it is the Wolfman from... Monster Squad, and also Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. They're the same person? Yes. I never knew that. You did, because we definitely talked about that in our Monster Squad episode, for sure. I'm certain of this. Anyways. Uh, but his name is Laszlo. And he's, like, living in their closet. Uh, we um, It turns out, we find out later that he's, like, the kid in the movie is, like, the third generation smarty pants super wonder kid. Uh, Val Kilmer is the one before that. This guy is one from like a decade and a half ago who just like couldn't hack it. And now he found out what was happening. What the weapon? This kind of thing was happening before found out it was being used for a weapon and like cracked, which like fair makes sense. Yeah. If you weren't going in with the thought of like, oh, I'm going to make super weapons. That would be a problem for me. And this is also where we meet the uh, Bob haircut overalls who talks a mile a minute yes uh you might remember her from one magic christmas i would yeah she's in one magic christmas uh her the character's name is betty i can't figure out who it is but uh, i was one magic christmas before this that i don't know maybe she worked at like the i think 83 the supermarket with the mom it could be it could be um she was also in family ties for a couple of episodes and something else relatively well known i'm trying to remember her name um i had just looked her up but the character's name is bob haircut no she has a name jordan mm. she's 19 yeah this whole this is a problem for me do not make your boy genius go to college and then try and let him be with someone because no, just no. Yeah. I don't need to see the 15 year old and the 19 year old fall in love. No, thank you either. She needs to be another wonderkind who's like 17 or he needs to be older or but just call him no, 16 and say it. she's a freshman. Then it's not weird. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, her name is Michelle Mayrink. Uh, she only acted in the eighties and then she gave it up to be a Buddhist, but she's also uh, in the outsiders. And she's in Valley Girl. I think she's a pretty big part I'm of Valley sure the Girl. Person who drew, I think Martha Coolidge, who directed this, directed Valley Girl. I think. Uh, and Valley Girl is also Martha yeah. Coolidge, yes. Um, the next morning, uh, the kid wakes up and goes out. So it's a weird living situation. It's a dormitory. It's, it's a college dorm, except there is a communal kitchen, which seems weird to me. Like It's, a, it's not billed as like apartment-style living. We had a kitchen in my dorm. It didn't have, it had like a microwave, it might have had a toaster oven, and it had a fridge. We had one kitchen on the first floor that you could rent out. Oh. No, we had, you could like, it had one of those like twisty spouts that was like, came out, the water was almost boiling, so you could do your cup noodles pretty much instantly. Uh, And we definitely had a microwave, and I think we had a toaster oven and a fridge. And we used to play beer pong in there without beer like we would just shoot it at water cups Mm -hmm. and then uh mostly because it was amusing to us to get away with it wait a minute whenever i played beer pong it was never beer in the cups it was always water what 
Because who wants to drink that beer? That's part of it. You have to. It's yucky. It, no, you just drink. <laughs> you have a beer that, like, this is the beer you drink from. This is some millennial bullshit. <laughs> or like, I don't want to drink out of the cup that has no, a you... floorball from the theater house. Okay, first of all, there's a, w- a water cup on the table to rinse off the ball after it touches the floor. Rinsing. So, f- yeah, you rinse the fuzz off of it. It's fine. You, you might as well just be like, well. Closing the cardboard flap on the cereal keeps the freshness in. I mean, the ball's rinsed off. There's no schmutz on it. it. No, it's gross. Well, I think that's some millennial bullshit. I, I heard tell of this being a thing, and I was like, that seems stupid. And I can't believe it had started when you were in New York. Yeah, when I was in college, we ne- it was never beer in those things. That's insane to me. Didn't want it. What about Flip Cup? We never played Flip Cup. Okay. Uh, but flip cup was different. You just had you just lined up the cups and then drank and flipped it. Right, but like we didn't all bring our own cup to that necessarily. You just had a sleeve of solo cups. Uh, I definitely have drank out of a cup that someone else flipped up previously for sure. No, I don't think we ever played flip cup. We played kings okay. and beer pong and something else. Not putting beer in the cups. Unreal. No, gross. Unreal. Um. So this. Val Kilmer uh, does something that you can't quite see, but you hear this very distinct sound. And I was like, why do I know that sound? And then I realized it's because it's an experiment I've done from like a like little kid book <clears throat> where you put a spoon in the freezer and then, uh, or no, you warm up a spoon and then place it against dry ice. And it has this like almost singing squeal to it. Uh huh. He basically has a, dowel rod of dry ice and he's slicing off coins of it yes to 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 put into the soda machine and then it melts later so it's like what's that uh extremely stupid riddle where the guy gets killed with an ice uh with a icicle i think that's just the riddle yeah but that's what i'm saying it's it's like that like he he steals the soda and the evidence becomes water except like that sliver of dry ice, it's got to be more than a quarter. Not if you have access to it for free at the lab. That's fair. And this is Chekhov's dry ice, we find out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is this where we get the big montage with, like, the book page turner One and of, like, Uncle Rico's months, in the frankly, closet? too many montages. <laughs> Which is not a thing we say often, but I agree. That it is, I hear too many montages. It's basically just, like, we're living in school. It's the montage from Monsters, Inc., where they're yes. all studying. And, like, going to classes. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so I didn't notice at first, but this one classroom that the, like, boy wonder is in has boom boxes in it in chairs. And I was like, why the hell are there? Is this, like, absurdist? Do we go back into Heather's territory? And I was like, why? And then all of a sudden the whole room is filled with boom boxes. And then he walks into class one day and there's a tape recorder instead of a teacher. Right, right. And it's like math is hard to learn off a tape. Be Pay close attention. Yeah, I didn't quite get what I was supposed to take away from that. I think it's just like a little college, like, you know, lazy professor joke. So, but like, is that something students would do? Like, I, I we would record lectures, but we were there for no, the lecture. I think, I, I think it's like the same kind of joke you get in a big box college movie where like the the person goes to the room and they're like waiting for a professor. And instead they're in like the overflow room and it's just a video of the professor speaking. Well, no, I meant why they were boom boxes in the, in the first place. Cause the boom boxes were just recording his tape. 
uh, by the end. Oh, I guess I'm, I, I'm, I, so I guess I missed that part of it. Uh, I, I, the, I guess the, the gag just being Stu- like, nobody, nobody can be bothered like, to be here. Say anything. Boombox, put it down, recorded it and then walked out of the classroom. Yeah, they. Were, I guess that was the gag, though, of like nobody can be bothered to show up for this. Everybody's doing it on tape, weird. even the professor. I didn't say it was a good joke. I was just explaining it. And this is where we get the uh, Casper roller coaster. Yeah, he discovers where Laszlo's been hiding in the closet. Um, I wrote Chekhov's popcorn, and I don't remember what happened to cause me to think that, but I was right. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't remember that at all. That would be a pretty interesting uh, beginning of uh, uh, setup like that. I, I did not catch that. Um, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember. I wrote Chekhov's popcorn, which means something happened involving popcorn between now and the crooked scientist, like being berated. Yeah, I have no idea. I totally missed it. Anyway, we get the cool roller coaster thing, which is probably one of my favorite sequences of the movie. Um, it like rolls down a track, and then it gets put in this elevator, and he discovers Laszlo's secret laboratory. You know, it's after this, yeah. And then we cut to Atherton getting threatened because his laser's not ready yet. And he's like, I don't, I need more time. And they're like, you don't you have any more time, blah, blah, blah. So we've got like a ticking clock added to this movie of, oh, if it doesn't happen by this point, something bad will happen to you. And I was like, why? I don't understand why he's only using science, like students for this job. Like if this is your thing he, that is your responsibility, do it yourself. Right. Or, you know, help at least, like, be part of it. Agreed. Um, uh, instead, he just wants to take credit for everybody else's efforts. Yes, yeah. This movie needed... He doesn't get enough comeuppance, I will say. So I think it needed more clarity of, like, everything for him. Of, like, he's... He wa- he just wants to take credit. Like, I wanted to reveal that, like, all of his accomplishments have been students' work that he's taking credit for. And I think that's what the the deal is. Like that's his whole deal. I think. But it's not explicit. I want explicitly stated. No. I, yeah. Absolutely. So Val Kilmer's like, fine. I'll help you with the laser, um, boy wonder. Uh, and I was like, is the laser going to explode? What's going to happen? No, it's just a big laser pointer. Essentially, yes. I don't understand science. I will go on record saying that. <laughs> but. This well, laser is so inconsistent, and also it's never clearly stated what they want to happen every time they turn it on, but it seems like the same thing happens every time they turn it on. Right. It's like the science is supposed to be something like they're using this laser to perform some function, but I th- they're always talking about getting more power to it and like fine-tuning it, but none of them is able to put together it like, huh, a powerful laser, you say? I wonder what this might be used for. Yeah, like, I needed there to be a, a, a simple objective that they could be working towards. Like, the goal for the project is to be able to blank. Like, we want the laser to be able to do blank because it's not clear, and then it's just like the laser's just there. Right. Right. And it looks the same every time, just different colors. Yeah, and I guess that's supposed to be what it is. Like, I know lasers in different parts of the color spectrum are a thing that do different things. Although I don't have any knowledge to be able to be like, in a, you know, an under person understanding what's going no, on. I think at one point barcode scanners were red, blue, green, like had those three lasers in it. I mm. think. I don't know science. No, nor do I. They go to a party and. Well, wait, first. There's like a really stupid scene that I quite enjoyed. Uh, he, the kid is in the lab and Kilmer walks in with this container of stuff and he's like, 
hey, will you try this for me? So I'm not sure if it's quite right. And the kid takes a big bite and he's like, and Alcomer's like, is it too sweet? Kid's like, no. He's like, what is it? He's like, I don't know. I found it in the lab. The kid starts like spitting it all out. He's like, no, no, no. It's just yogurt. And then but the part a, that like, I really like. It's like the, the court of lo mein container. Like when you go, yes, when you go to yes. a Chinese restaurant and get a quart of lo mein, that's the container it comes in. It's full of pink yogurt. Yes. But then he's like, all right, you're overworked. We just need to take a step back. And he puts his arm around the kid's shoulders and they literally take a step back. And he's like, well, now forward and now back. And they do that a couple more times. He's like, and now we're doing the cha-cha. And the kid gets all pissed about it. But I thought it was a delightful little I joke. did like, I, I like Val Kilmer. He's charming as hell in this. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. Sorry, but you were right. They then they go to that party, and this it the party is in a theater, and this poor theater would be destroyed. Oh, because for sure. There's like makeshift pools with tarps and stuff. Pit. So it's a it's a theater. It's a traditional theater where like the stage is raised, and then in front of that would be the pit where the orchestra would be, and then the seats. But the orchestra pit has been filled with tarps and water, and there's a water slide. And I was like, this is just ruined. Everything in this room is ruined. Absolutely. Val Kilmer has the great line here where, like, he's invited all these uh, ladies who go to a beautician school, and the guys are kind of, like, hemming and hawing. He's like, this could be most of your only chance to have sex. (laughs) And then suddenly they all run off to try to talk to girls. Yeah, exactly. Uh, meanwhile, Kent, the, uh, the, the bootlicker nerd, uh, comes and spies on the party and then goes and tattles on them to William Atherton. And this is where the Bob haircut screams, I'm not gay. Yeah. Apropos of nothing, basically (laughs) the kid is like, why aren't you partying? And she just blurts that out. Yeah. And I was like, that seems weird. Are you okay? I mean, it's cool if you are. And this is where I was like, are we going to try and make this a romance thing? And you could tell the movie wanted to. You can really tell. They oh, for sure, to. for sure. I mean, it's a mainstream movie. What do you expect? Yeah, they're they can't make one of those without a love angle somewhere. A straight love angle. Um, so the kid gets yelled at by the professor who comes to who crashes the party. Yeah, and then like goes to the lab and like tries to do work, but has a like live action Cinderella moment where he breaks something and just like cries. Uh, and then he calls home for help and he find, learns that his parents have rented out his room, which doesn't seem to be great given that he doesn't live at school 12 months a year. Like even, even Harry Potter got to go home sometimes. Had so what home. are you doing? Yeah. So it's like, we've rented out your room. So I guess when you come home for Thanksgiving and or Christmas, you know, whatever, you're just going to sleep on the couch? Yeah. Question mark. And the, the jerk guy, Kent, the braces guy records the conversation with his parents and then plays it over the loudspeaker at lunch. You know, the lunch all- period that college has. <laughs> Have I told the, the band story on the podcast? I don't know. Okay. Uh, very quickly. Uh, some friends were at the cafeteria at, at uh, Maryland where I went and they were sitting there and these three dudes it's like a circle table with six seats and there are three of them. And these three dudes come and they're like, Hey, can we have these seats? And they're like, yeah, I guess no problem. So they sit down and they continue their conversation. And then one of the dudes pulls out a guitar and they're like, Oh my God, are you serious? Like these dudes are going to play instruments. And then the other dude has a bass and another, the other dudes like drumming on something or he's got another instrument. I don't remember that detail. I'm sorry. And they're like, man, like we're trying to have lunch. These people. So they start playing music and like a crowd gathers and after 
like I don't know, maybe thirty seconds. Of it the was Third Eye Blind. No, uh, it was actually Hanson. Wait, what? Yeah, they uh, they're like, I think I know this song, and it was Mbop, and it turned out that Hanson was on campus for like a documentary that they were uh, in and promoting. And they had just like had time to kill, and we're like, let's just go to the lunchroom and play some songs <laughs> or the cafeteria. That's basically, what happened obviously. with me and Jason Siegel at Pride. Yeah, but these dudes were like coveting the attention and just playing Mbop. Yeah, they were. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting in this scene is like there's like a little bit of tittering of people being like, ah, ha, ha, you're like homesick. But then the only person who seems to be really genuinely enjoying this is Kent. Like, it doesn't seem bad enough that it's going to like follow this kid around or whatever kind of you know what i mean at the prom moment where like really the only people laughing are the two a-holes right like i think i feel like half the room is like oh that's awkward and the other half's like yeah we've all been there you know what i mean yeah yeah everyone has um and then val kilmer gives this beautiful speech about like like staying strong and knowing what you're worth and it's just, i was like where is this kilmer the rest of them like can this Kilmer talk to women? Can this be the Kilmer yeah, that talks no, to women? Yeah, no, you're right. Because please. You're totally right. Yeah. And there, he's like, well, let's get him back. And they get him back by putting his car in his room. It's a classic television and movie gag that I'm pretty sure is impossible, but I always enjoy I've, it. I've seen it done with trampolines, which is possible. Not with a car. You mean in real life? No, on t- uh, more often in like, t- maybe in real life somewhere, but mostly on TV where they like, take apart the trampoline, go inside the school in pieces and put it back together. Yeah. That doesn't seem challenging to me. Like I could definitely do that, but I, you know, trampoline's not that complicated. I think it's much cooler when they do it with a car. It's not possible. I mean, it is technically possible. It's just ridiculous. It would take more than like a couple hours. I think it depends on how many people you are and how old the car is. Anyway, because there's like really there's really wild videos of the original army jeeps that a squad of either four or six dudes can completely take apart to like completely apart nuts and bolts laying on the ground and put back together in under 10 minutes. Okay, that's kind of cool. So Dr. Hathaway is like Val Kilmer, you're too sexy and not focused on this. So you're not going to graduate and I'm going to fail you. And Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer makes the very salient point that's like, well, I will just go to the dean with all of my papers and all of my work and all of my theories, and that will get me a degree. Which I was like, yeah, how does, how can, if Val Kilmer has all this work, like, val, val validated and just goes to the dean with it, what? How can anything go wrong? Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I don't understand how William Atherton thinks he has this much power, but he certainly thinks that's what he has. Uh, but somehow, even though he got fired, Val Kilmer is still in the lab. And we get another montage. Yeah, this is like the one where Val Kilmer's friends have convinced him not to leave school. And so they're just like, all right, it's time to study. And he's like going to class with his shirt all the way buttoned up and whatnot. Still slippers? Yes, of course. Uh, and they do something with the laser that the movie tells me is successful and impressive. But I don't understand what they're trying to accomplish. So, Right. Yeah, the goal of what the laser is supposed to do is never defined enough for me. I'm sure they say it. Like, I'm sure someone out there is listening of like, you idiots, it's this thing. But Tom, I just, I missed it. Yeah, yes. Tom specifically is probably very upset. I also like that this montage ends with a kid having a total meltdown in the library uh, during the finals week studying. And someone else just takes his spot. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, 
I never experienced that, but I'm sure it happened on the campus I went to, given the size of yeah, it. Yeah, I, I never experienced that either. Um, I was not I was not really a library studier. No, I tried it like twice, and I was always like, no. I, although I suppose I could just say I was not really much of a studier. That too. That's probably also accurate. That too. Um, so this is where Laszlo shows up with... Um, it's a beer box, but I thought he said something about Fritos, where he's like, I calculated... It's... I know it's based on a real thing, but he's like, I calculated if I submit, you know, 1,700,000, uh, you know, Fritos UPC codes that I am one fifth of the winners. Therefore, I have to of uh, the applicants. Therefore, I have to win something. Well, you know, it's yeah, he specifically calculates that he's going to win 32.8% of the prizes by sending in this many forms. And because there's no purchase necessary, he can just fill them all out and send them in. Yeah. And also he has all the test questions. That he's just memorized in his head, which is delightfully insane. Yeah, I think we need a little more Laszlo explanation. Like, that's the prequel I just needed I a little more Laszlo. I like this character, and I, I think he's fun. I agree. Um, Cut to this grown-ass woman trying to seduce a 15-year-old boy, she which says, makes I me really uncomfortable. I've for you to be old enough for this, and then kisses him. Yeah, I was like, no, you are three years away from this being well, okay. She said you, that, you, and I went, did I miss a time jump? Oh, like he's 18 now? Did I now? miss that, like, we cut to three years later? Maybe that's what the laser is. It's a, it's a, an age. <laughs> it makes you old enough to be legal. It's a legal gun. It's a sleazy, the sleaziest thing ever invented. So this woman's name is Susan, and she serves no purpose in this movie other than to be sex objects for men. Yeah, I don't quite understand I don't the know wh- what her purpose was in this movie, because it's never clearly defined. Like, Val Kilmer hits on her. She tries to hit on the 15-year-old, and then later she's boning Dr. Hathaway. I got the impression, but what her line is with uh, Hathaway, that she was like Hathaway's beloved, and then he disappeared. But I, I'm not 100% certain on that. Um, also, the kid rejects her, which we find out because the kid like runs into Jordan's room, and it's like, a woman just tried to kiss me. And she's like, oh, I don't really want to know about this. And he's like, no, 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 I rejected her for you. And all I could think of was that scene in Forgetting Sarah Marshall where um, – I only know the scene uh, – I only remember the scene where he wags his dick at the camera. Oh, that is very funny. But there's, there's another scene where uh, – spoilers for Forgetting Sarah Marshall – uh, Chris, Kristen Bell like tries to seduce him and she like starts going down on Jason Siegel's character. And he's like, I don't, I don't want this. Like, this is wrong. We should stop. And then later he tells Mila Kunis what happened. And, and he's like, she performed oral sex with me for five to 10 seconds. And Mila Kunis is understandably upset. And then she's talking about it to the bartender guy, the, the real big dude who names all the fish. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that character. And he's like, my dude turned down a blowjob mid blowjob. <laughs> there are saints that didn't do that. <laughs> That's all I could think Another of. Another Jason Siegel reference? <laughs> Look, he's he's on my mind right now. What do you want from me? So I was at Philly Pride with my boyfriend, and someone walked past him, and I went, that dude's a dead ringer for Jason Siegel. And my boyfriend turns around and was like, oh my god, you're right. And then the next day texted me and was like, hey... Plot twist, that was Jason Siegel. He's in Philly filming a movie. I wish you had texted me because I actually knew that and I would have told you immediately. And I would have gone for a picture, but I was drunk because it's pride. Yes. Also, it would have been the funniest thing to have a picture of you in your pride outfit with Jason Siegel. Oh my God, yeah. Like he might have done a hover hand on you. Oh, I doubt it. He seemed drunk. I'm pretty sure he was also drunk. 
He had drunk face. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. That man definitely drinks. I'm just saying allegedly. Let's not let's not try to, you know, sabotage potential guests on the podcast. Um so this is where there's like a a test there's going to be a, They're going into the test and they're all so Kent like a final exam. So Kent not who a laser is test. on the team that is working on this laser sabotages the laser. Why? Why not just take Well credit? wait. Val Kilmer blew up his test exam first, which is really good. What? Val Kilmer Oh, okay. He sabotages it, and then we go to the test, but we don't see the result of yeah. the sabotage until after. Okay, I'm sorry, we missed time. And that. I just like, I don't understand why you wouldn't just try and finish, like, be like, "Hey, I would have just run in the room, and be like, Professor, I fixed the machine before the test. You should come do it." Like, just do. Like, I don't understand why you would sabotage the thing that you're all working on together. Because I think he will use that as a way of getting rid of Val Kilmer, who is clearly better than him. Yes. I'd rather I would rather just take credit than destroy something because then you have then he yeah, has maybe. to do the work and he clearly can't do the work. Yeah, no, he cannot do the work. He is clearly in. So idiot. then we have a, a test montage. Yeah, it's like a study montage, and then you know we're we're trying to learn some stuff real quick. Um, Val Kilmer realizes the prod that his laser's been sabotaged and realizes liquid nitrogen is the answer, and I don't know why. Yeah, something about the colds. I don't. I don't. The, you know, making the laser perform better. But also, I love the part where he hands his teacher the test, and it's like I ace this, and the teacher just throws it in the garbage can, and then it explodes. No, it's the apple explodes. Oh, okay. Kilmer puts an apple on his desk, and is like, "See a teach," and like kick flips out of the yeah, room. Yeah, like Zach Morris. <laughs> he kick flips out of the room, and then <laughs> he does a sick grind. Yeah, on the desk, and then um. The teacher throws the apple. And then he turns into a silver blob and flies away. He's like, drink a Capri Sun. Um, so he's like, hey, liquid nitrogen is the answer. Everyone get behind the shield. I'll demonstrate. And approximately two of the five people fit behind the shield. Also, I love a casual glasses. And it happens a lot in, uh, in like nuclear tests and movies like and glasses? stuff like that. Yeah, so the professor, do, everyone puts their goggles on, like straps them on, except the professor dude who's like, I'm just going to hold them on my face. If there's a thing happening where my eyesight might be permanently damaged, there's like zero part of me that's like, I got to look cool while this happens. I know, right? Like, what is, what is your malfunction that you're like, I'm just going to hold these up? I You see it all the time with like welding. It's all, like, uh, uh, probably like a that motorcycle show or something like that. One of those building motorcycle shows was popular for a hot minute or like the crab shows, but you'd always see people like welding by just like holding a faceplate up and welding. And like, I took a little bit of shop class and whenever I was welding, I like had that helmet down and secured. Like I'm not messing around with this. And people who do it professionally are always just like, I'm just going to casually hold up these safety goggles. Zap, 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 zap. I mean, I guess when you're a professional in the field, you have a different perspective, but still, yeah, I just I can't I can't get behind the casual safety, but the professor just like sighs and just like I guess I'll hold these up to my eyes for useless reasons. And then this time the laser blows up. It's what they wanted to happen. Well, it blows a hole in the wall. Yeah, but that's happened before. Whatever. It's like a huge softball-sized hole in the wall, and it apparently went like all the way across campus. So it's like incredibly ranged and powerful. And so they're like, Val Kilmer, you're reinstated. And they're like, great, we're going to a biker bar for some reason. I'm going to Chili's. <laughs> Is the Chili's nearest to you a biker bar? There's a table at an Applebee's reserved for five. 
Um, so they're celebrating, and then Laszlo comes in, and he's like, hey, did any of you stop and wonder why they wanted a laser this powerful and precise? Because uh, it's a weapon, ding-dongs. And this is where they re- they're like, oh, you're right. How? How is this where the room full of geniuses just realized? Yeah, I. it's like, even if you didn't have the scenes where they were talking to the police, or sorry, the government, I would know this was a weapon. It's crazy to me that they don't. Yeah. Um, so Wikipedia told me that the jerk guy knew this was a weapon. I don't know that the movie told me that. Well, they, they, when they do the thing here, where they gas, so they him? like, yeah, so they gas Kent, knock him unconscious, and then they put a radio receiver in his braces so that they can like put a voice in his head, which I'm pretty sure would make most people go crazy, but. But also, um, you would feel it instantly. As someone who had yes. braces and still has a, a permanent lower retainer, yeah. you feel, like, there's a very distinct feeling from, like, braces that are clean and braces that have shit stuck in them in the back. Yeah, and this is not just, like, a couple grains of sand or a popcorn kernel. It's, like, a bullet. Yeah, so he should feel this. But when they talk to him here, they're like, Kent, we know you know you made a weapon. Also, don't diddle yourself. Yeah, I thought that part was pretty funny. And we get another montage once he tells them where the military base is. I also like that they they specifically are like, he's like, who is this? And they're like, Jesus. Weird, weird flex, but okay. Yeah, it's like a very, like, uh, like normally you pick the voice of God. No? Okay. But again, we're not, we're, we're not science guys. We're not religion guys. Maybe Jesus is the one to pick. Yeah, no, it, it could be. It could be. So we get another montage. Yeah, of like, all right, we have to break into this military base, reconfigure this laser to shoot elsewhere, and then have it shoot and blow up the professor's house. That's the best solution With to this problem. With a terrible mustache and fake IDs. Yeah, yeah. The fake. It's also really funny to me when you see stuff like this, where it's like, this is a passable fake ID in the year 1985. It's like, oh, right. it's so cute. It's so cute. It looks like something you would get in like a Happy Meal where it'd be like, paste your yes. picture here. And you'll be the McDonaldler. Hamburglar. Well, I was going to say Hamburglar, but I don't think a kid wants to be the Hamburglar. What's it the would, police name? Chief, Chief, be, Mayor McCheese? Mayor no, McCheese. what's the chief? What's the, yes, but what's the policeman? I don't remember the policeman. There's a burger policeman. I know, but I don't remember his name. It'd be more like okay. a Jurassic Park toy where like you can be, you know. Oh. Security clearance in Jurassic Park. Um, also, do you know what this uh, military base could have used some? What's that? Military bullets. Oh, God, no. <laughs> they had military lasers, which are way worse. They are. Um, so they get they sneak in because, of course, it works, and the call to stop them comes two seconds too late. Uh, they have briefcases, like those silver briefcases you always see in movies. And I was like, I don't know what they're planning on doing with these silver briefcases to this laser, but okay. And then Val... It's 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 very much an 80s movie when those silver b- briefcases get broken out. Up to like 1993. Yeah. And then... Also, the, the, the police is... is uh, the policeman is Officer Big Mac. Officer Big Mac. Mayor McCheese. There was also apparently a pirate who was like the hamburger equivalent for the filet of fish named Captain Crook. They never showed up in the na- in the late 90s, early aughts, direct-to-video 
tapes that you Captain buy. Captain Crook <laughs> Captain Crook lasted from seventy one to eighty five. They were not featured in the Ronald McDonald Land Adventures by Klasky Chupo. Um, Val Kilmer says the line, "We have to keep the computer busy so it won't know we're here." And I was like, "That's just gobbledygook." <laughs> yes, it's like they they stick something in it and then lights start going in rapid sequence, and he's like, "All right, the computer's busy." It's like, "What? I'm what are you saying?" It's like a frame. Is it like a cat with a laser pointer? What are you saying? And this is where I noticed that the fifteen-year-old with a must when he has the fake mustache on looks like a young Mandy Patinkin. Oh yeah, he does have a little Mandy Patinkin vibe. Like yeah, a long face. Yeah. The Doctor Hathaway and the military people are in some trailer next to the laser. And they're like, well, let's all go take a look at the laser to make sure it's ready. And I was like, and they all go over to look at it. And I was like, if my mechanic was like, hey, there's something wrong with under your hood. I don't need to look at it because I'm not going to know. I've had this happen before where they're like, let me show it to you. And I was like, I, you could literally tell me anything. Like, I don't know anything. Yeah, like, it's it's fine. I believe you. Um, so they all go to look at the laser and... Uh, reprogram it yeah they're doing like a rapid uh like hack sequence where they like connect to their friends laszlo and the other group away and that group is like putting in new coordinates and fiddling with a chip um and then they tell kent that he has to go to the professor's house and wait outside for a message from god and they've gone to the house and set it up we don't know specifically what they did other than put a laser outside but they've done something into the house and so they fire this laser in, and somehow this laser, this incredibly powerful laser is refracted by simple mirrors. Yeah, it makes very little sense. Into a giant jiffy pop. It, that part is kind of awesome. Well, I wanted, <laughs> so I wanted it to blow his house the F up. Like, I wanted yeah. the end of Critters. Creatures? Critter. Critters. Critters. <laughs> yes, I agree. I was disappointed. Like, the house gets destroyed, but I wanted it in popcorn and splinters. Yeah. So... They're, meanwhile, they're like, the reason this happens because they're testing the laser on an assassination, and it's eerily basically the Kennedy assassination, which feels like a weird way to test this to me. What do you mean? It's like a bunch of covered limousine cars and then an open one with crash test dummies oh, in it. Oh, I didn't it. even know like, that that was what they were supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. They're like supposed to be killing the guy who's like going down the street in the in the back of the convertible. And I was like, this is just the Kennedy assassination? <laughs> like you're literally recreating a very dark moment in American history right now. Yeah, uncomfortable. Uh, so they rewrite the laser, it blows up the popcorn, his house explodes like in uh, Disney. Oh, it's, it's a directed video Disney Christmas movie where all this popcorn blows up in the house, where Max goes home and is embarrassed of his dad, Goofy. I want to say it's Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas or Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas. It's one of the two. Okay. Okay. Literally the same thing happens. Um, they definitely stole it from this movie. Yeah. And then at the end, Laszlo shows up in a camper hauling all his stuff, and they all... So, you know in old TV shows when, like, a special guest star would show up and everyone in the show would be like... NBA star Detlef Schrempf or whatever. <laughs> yes. That's how they all react when they, everyone, like his girlfriend, Lazo's girlfriend comes out of the camper and they're like, oh my God, it's Sherry Mitchell. And I was like, who the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get that part either. I don't think she was a famous person. No, she was the one who tried to seduce the boy. No, because that was Susan. Oh, okay. I thought it was the woman who tried to seduce the boy. No, that was Suzanne. Soissons. Okay. And then 
they all like roll credits as kids play in the in the popcorn, and then it ends with the Doctor Hathaway just driving home and looking at his house and being like, "Harumph!" Like, no, I need more to happen to this guy. Yeah, I I needed him at least like throwing a hat down and jumping up on top of it, or like, you know disappearing like they did to that other guy or like some kind of thing where he's like, it has to teach high school chemistry. Like, right. I need like, we're stripping you of your PhD. Yeah. I would like it. If he had to like teach a remedial class or something, that would have been good punishment. But at like, the very least I need him like crying. I want and him. Upset. I want him to be forced to teach like volcano projects. Like, yeah. Third grade yes. baking soda vinegar yep. doesn't teach you anything. Volcanoes. Right, or like GED classes with people who don't want to be there. Exactly. Yeah, no, I would be into that. Um, so yeah, that's the end of Real Genius. What are your final thoughts? It's not bad, but it's not my favorite thing we've watched. Well, I, I don't know if I put it in my favorite, but I really like this. This is like one of those ones that I think I would remember really fondly if I had seen it before, and I'm surprised that I had never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, super duper fun, very Ferris Bueller energy, like I said. Uh, really just like a good time movie, which I was you know, pleasantly surprised by because, I, like I said, I was expecting it to be a magical science movie. And so when it wasn't that, uh, that I still liked it, I think is a testament to how enjoyable it yeah. is. But yeah, I, this is a hearty recommend for me. It's free on Crackle, but has ads. Yeah, I, I think this is a good way to spend 100 minutes of your time. Uh, it moves pretty quick. It's got a lot of fun scenes. It's mostly pretty good as far as our times go. Andrew and I you know, pointed out a couple times where it's a little bit like, Oh, that's kind of a crappy line, I, but mostly it's pretty respectful. It's, it's an hour 46. It could be an hour 30, 35. Yeah. I mean, it could lose 10 minutes. No problem, but I really dug this. I, I was, uh, it was a nice surprise. I'm glad that both, uh, Michelle and Tom took care of us with their selections. Cause we haven't watched it yet, but I'm pretty sure this garbage fail kids movie is going to be a tough sit. Well, we'll find out. Won't we? Uh, yeah, we will. As we'll listener swap request out for, month for Greece too. <laughs> I'm sure that would be something that would be really delightful for the person who didn't pick it. Um, thank you all so very much for listening to the show. Uh, a couple things real quick. Don't forget to check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash dissecting the eighties. That's how this episode came to be. So if you'd like to do the same, uh, check it out there and you can see how to do that. Um, don't forget to check us out on social media. We're on Facebook and on Twitter. It's at dissect the eighties on Twitter and you can just search dissect the eighties on Facebook um, really, uh, appreciative of any reviews we get from y'all. So if you have the time to do that, we'd really appreciate it. Just review us wherever you get your podcasts. And, uh, if it's not iTunes, go ahead and send us a screenshot. We read those on the air and, uh, thank you all so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate that and hope that you will tell your friends about it if you like it, because that's the best way to learn about new podcasts. So we will be back in two weeks to conclude listener request month with the garbage pail kids. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. And until July 29th. Don't you forget about me. <laughs>